Hi, I'm Katie. And I'm Joe. And today we're going to talk about how Christianity warps your brain. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Born Again Again podcast. If you like what we're doing on here, you can find us on our Facebook group, our Instagram, or our Patreon, and you can find all those links in the description below. Okay, so today we're talking about how believing in Christianity warps your brain to sort of stop critical thinking, I guess, from the outside world. Yeah, and this was spurred on by some conversations we've been having recently, because mm-hmm. since we recently kind of came out as non-Christian um, publicly on Facebook and to our families and stuff like that, we've been speaking to our family and to um, our old Christian friends who had questions for us and for random Christians that uh, have recorded responses and kind of tried to convert us back. And, <laughs> you know, we've just been having a lot of conversations with people who believe um, what we used to believe. And through that, it's felt like we've been looking at a mirror image of ourselves almost. Mm -hmm. And it's weird because we can see maybe how we used to believe and the kinds of answers that we gave ourselves and really satisfied ourselves. But now just we see how they're very circular, you know, they're very cop-out-y answers. Yeah, (laughs) cop-out-y. Yes, that's a word. And... And through that, we've kind of been like collecting all of the ways in which the like basically believing in the Bible and believing in in God and stuff has sort of like warped our brain into staying in the system. Right. Not being able to think critically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we were taught to disregard critical thinking and questioning when it came to our faith, just because basically because like God was a mystery and it was better to not understand. Exactly. It was more virtuous. And that kind of brings us to our first point, and that's that God is a mystery. Yeah, so when you believe that God is a mystery, then he can do anything because you don't need to understand him. Yeah, it's kind of like he's... My my belief when I was Christian was that God is so much bigger than us and so much grander than us uh, that he's outside of human reasoning and logic. So, like, basically what that ends up meaning is that God can do anything he wants and will or do nothing at all but as a christian we'll never really understand what he does or why he does it and we should just be okay with that that's Mm -hmm. what i believed i know and that it just it's funny because like as a christian and when i was a christian i could totally see this argument but now it's sort of like it doesn't hold up because if you have like a god and he is great and like higher than your understanding but he's like killing every single person in the world. I know he's not doing that right now, but I mean like what if like where do you draw the line? When is his like love and his mystery still good? Right. Yeah. You know like there has to be some sort of like boundaries for him in order for him to <laughs> yeah. be like ultimate like loving presence. Right. Well is it di- I think there's a difference between like not fully understanding something and it being kind of mysterious and being able to respect it. Like Mm -hmm. that almost makes you respect it more. Um, But when, when Christians argue that God is mysterious and so he can basically like do anything he wants, I feel like it's just taking it way too far. It's like he's untouchable. He's off the hook for anything because he's mysterious and that satisfies Christians or it satisfied me when I was a Christian. I know it satisfied me too. And I feel like that brings us to our next point and how, and how faith is like the ultimate virtuous thing that you could possess. Mm -hmm. 
faith in that God is mysterious faith and whatever the Bible says, faith, faith, faith. And I think That's so bizarre. It's so strange because nowhere else is it great to have faith over like critical thinking skills, facts, knowledge, you know, all of those things. Right. Yeah. Testing, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But you told me that and I felt like, whoa, you're right. Because my whole child, well, not even childhood, but my childhood and up until a couple of years ago, I, like many other people, I think would have considered faith to be a virtue. Like someone who you say like, oh, they're like, they have a really strong faith. That's a good thing, you know, Mm -hmm. or I always thought of it as a good thing. And I kind of assumed everyone thought of it as a good thing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's like, makes total sense now. Why in the world would faith be a virtue? That's like saying the, the better you are believing you have an imaginary friend, the better person you are. Yeah, I don't, it's, faith is only a virtue when you're in talking about some kind of religion. Right. You know, yeah. I think like some kind of religion that requires faith. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> it can sometimes get um, exchanged for hope. Uh, you know, like it's good to have faith or hope that something will happen mm-hmm. because like it's good to not be in despair. But like having faith for every single thing in your life, like I don't understand it, but I'm going to believe it on faith. I don't yeah. get that, but I'm going to believe it on faith. I'm not seeing any evidence of this, but I'm believing it on faith. It's just too much. After a while, it kind of breaks your brain, you know, and you stop even caring about any kind of critical yeah. evidence for anything. Well, think about how much faith comes into play in your daily life like as a Christian, mm-hmm. you know, because like you're you're taught to pray even though you never hear back mm-hmm. ever, you mm-hmm. know, you're ta- but you have to pray every day. Make sure you're faithful with your praying. Okay, you keep doing that. You uh, have faith that people will be healed even though you pray for people to be healed and they're not healed. Yeah, and you, somehow- go, and you personally go out and try to heal like a bunch of people just on the street <laughs> right. sitting in wheelchairs or like limping down the sidewalk and nothing happens yeah and and at the time when that happened to me i just thought well i must not have enough faith yes you know (laughs) or like we're we're uh taught that about noah's ark you know as as little kids we're taught as like taught about noah's ark Mm -hmm. and taught about jonah and the whale and taught about adam and eve and all these like crazy bible stories from the old testament Mm -hmm. And at least how I was brought up, and I think how you were brought up, Mm -hmm. too, I was taught that those were all real, literal stories, Mm -hmm. you know, that Jonah actually exists, that a whale actually swallowed him, that he was actually alive in the whale's belly and, like, lonely and praying to God, you know? Yeah. And, and like, all of the adults in my life believed that, and they taught me that that was true, too. So, um, yeah, I had, like, total faith, even though that's the most ridiculous thing. I know, but, like, you don't... You don't doubt it because you're brought up as a child believing it based on faith. Yeah. It's it's like if your parents would have never have told you that Santa Claus didn't exist. Yeah, it's the same. It's actually the same. It also teaches you that it's a virtue to be satisfied with not understanding something. And it's actually more beautiful that way if you can't understand because that means that it, it shows that God's so cool and he's so mysterious and he's so beautiful. Yeah. Like, if you can't understand something that much mean, <laughs> it's more grandiose yeah. and complex. I remember actually hearing that as a response from Christians as well, mm-hmm. that, like, if I have a question about God, like, well, why does God let cancer happen? Or mm-hmm. why does God let natural disasters happen if you think he's in control of everything? They, uh, yeah, they say, like, well, if we could understand everything God did, then he wouldn't be God. You know, like that, like as if that's an answer to say like, well, that means my God's good and he can do whatever he wants. Yeah. God's mysterious. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing that it does is it teaches you to use confirmation bias. So you basically are starting at point B 
and you're using like everything to confirm your point B instead of starting from point A and then getting to point B. Yeah. You know, like you're not like starting at a point and like asking a question and then like observing every single piece of evidence, whether it proves it right or wrong. You're just starting from the end and you're only looking at the evidence that's proving your case. And I saw myself do this all the time. Like I already knew that Jesus was God. Mm -hmm. And so you don't see anything that proves that wrong. Right. Yeah. You don't you just <laughs> you don't like see it. You like if can't you, see it. Yeah, if yeah. you already started off with the finish at the finish line. We were just talking about that, how I've always kind of felt like Christian apologetics is that exact thing. Mm-hmm. It's not like them looking at the world and looking at evidence and saying, like, okay, through all of these things we can see how it's most probable that Jesus lived or that whatever God does exist. They are like stout Christians. Is that a right word to describe a Christian? A person? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Whatever. They're very strong believers in mm-hmm. God already. And so in their mind, their mission is to find everything that already confirms what they already believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's Christian apologetics have always seemed kind of unconvincing to me, even when I was a Christian, mm-hmm. they seem kind of unconvincing. Yeah. For me too. Even more so now, of course. So the last part of having faith is I, whenever I think of faith, I always think of childlike faith. And that Mm. was like a big buzz word, buzz phrase that was said a lot. Like, have childlike faith. You know, you want to, Jesus wants you to have childlike faith. And I pulled a few, a couple verses about um, being a child because I feel like for Joe and I, it was really prominent, like, because we felt like children. And we felt like children until we were, we got out. And so, until like recently. Yeah, until recently. Felt like a child in certain ways. So, here's from Matthew 18. It says, he called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And then in Matthew 11, at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. So over and over again, it's emphasized to be like a child, to be meek, Mm -hmm. you know, not to be wise. Not to like trust your own thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it. The whole thing is like, it wants you, Christianity wants you to be um, okay with being kind of naive about things, Mm -hmm. you know, okay with being ignorant about what you believe yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's, I feel like maybe some people don't feel like this, but when I was a Christian, I felt I don't know. I I felt like I could never like truly explain my beliefs to another person in a way that would make sense to them because they didn't have faith. And, you Mm -hmm. know, and I thought that was because what the Bible said that the or that faith will seem like foolishness to the world. And Mm -hmm. I thought that was why. But in reality, the reason I could never like explain my faith in a convincing way to someone else is because it's really confusing. And I don't even understand, (laughs) like really understand the logic of it, you know? Mm hmm. And yeah, it's weird. It's weird looking back on it now and realizing, yeah, that's probably why it seemed hard to like, hard to convince someone that they should be a Christian. Yeah, because, because it's really like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, because you're already like confused in your, yeah, in your head about subconsciously, it. But you're like, think you're okay with being confused. Mm-hmm. Or like, that's just a sign of your faith. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to like, believe something, you know, in your heart, 
in yourself. But once you start explaining it to other people, I think you sometimes realize, yeah. hmm, maybe I, I didn't think this through. Right. You know, but the, I mean, that's not the case with faith. You don't, I don't think you ever would say that. Okay. So now that you're in this position, this child lowly position, it's the perfect time to talk about authority. <laughs> so, um, the next thing we've noticed was how much emphasis Christianity puts on authority. Yeah. And I'm sure that you've all noticed this. It's mm-hmm. very obvious. Um, so you're a child, you have childlike faith, and now you're taught to respect anybody older than you or who's wa- who's had a longer spiritual walk than you, mm-hmm. and, you know, regardless of whether or not they're smarter than you or, you know, they've had more life experience right. or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, you just got to trust them. You have to submit to the authority that God put in place over your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like that has real practical long-reaching applications because beside the fact that the bible teaches you to respect your father and mother and all of that and be a good obedient child um jesus actually actually i don't know if it's jesus but in the new testament it talks about how we need to respect like the leaders of our country and let me just read something for you right now joe from romans 13 about that (laughs) it says that everyone must submit to governing authorities for all authority comes from god and those in positions of authority have been placed there by god so anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what god has instituted and they will be punished yeah that's like so damning you know i feel like that's perfect that's like a perfect example of why so many Christians are kind of seemingly okay about like what Trump is doing mm-hmm. and how, how his character is and all that stuff. Um, and yeah, it's really bizarre. It's kind of like they're just accepting, well, God must know what he's doing. That's why this is happening to mm-hmm. us. It's we. I feel like all of this stuff, we talk about it every week, but like how as a Christian, you aren't taking responsibility for your life because you give so much of like the reins or you, you believe that God is so much in control of everything that happens that Jesus you should just take the wheel, trust with whatever. <laughs> yeah. You let Jesus take the wheel of the presidency of the United States. Mm-hmm. And then now, now look where we are. Yeah. You know? So yeah, it's weird. I, I respected authority so much. I feel like that was really, really like important to me. Mm-hmm. I was a super obedient kid for the most part. I was like really respectful of elders and maybe that's just something my family taught me. But I think of course the Bible supports that and supports Christians respecting their elders. Well, I think they taught you that because of the Bible. They taught me that I think because of that book, Growing Kids God's Way. And that too. Which we still need to read. Which is, which is I'm sure biblically, (laughs) biblically based. Right. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I mean that and respecting elders or uh, um, people in authority at church and our home group leaders and our apostles at our church and the people who are prophesying. And yeah, it's just, I I feel like you are taught to trust what other people say so much and distrust what you yourself think so much. Um, And it's just a part of like this really oppressive controlling box that Christianity puts on you. Mm -hmm. If everyone who is older than you, or like has had a longer spiritual walk than you is able to speak into your life and you have to listen to them. You have no space to listen to anyone else. Yeah. You know, including I mean, yourself. To yourself. Yeah. yeah. So it's just very oppressive. I felt that so much. Yeah. What you just said, you, I mean, in the last episode, you were talking about how like an older lady who you didn't know at all since she was older than you was like, asked you to take a ride with her in the car and give you some advice about marriage. 
like you didn't ask for that, but as a good Christian, you were supposed to just like sit there and listen and be respectful. Well, I'm younger, so I don't know as much. Yeah, that's what you thought. That's so weird. <laughs> yeah. For the record, we're not saying that we know everything. Of course not. But, but we I think know it's ourselves. good to trust yourself. <laughs> yes. I think that it's sometimes people who are older than you are probably wiser and sometimes they're not. And it feels good to be able to choose for ourselves. So our next big thing we noticed is how the Bible has so much authority over our life. Yeah, that's like the ultimate authority for Christians. Even before God. Right. Well, okay. That's actually an interesting point and something I brought up with one of my Christian friends a while back. And I felt like when I brought this question up, he couldn't get it. It was like that Westworld thing we were talking about where mm -hmm. when I asked it, he was like, well, I don't know. I don't, that doesn't look like anything to me. Mm -hmm. So my question to him was, don't you feel like if the only way we or the only information we have about God or Jesus, and the only like thing that, you're trusting, the only thing you're trusting or the, the base, the first thing you're trusting mm -hmm. before God is the Bible, like the literal book, the paper book. So to me, it's not a belief in God. It's a belief in the Bible first. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that, that in a Christian life holds the ultimate authority, you know, above our ideas of who God is or well, even our personal you can't experiences. Trust us. You can't trust our experiences. You can't trust our, you know, our personal emotions about God. Right. So you have to trust the Bible. Yeah. That's what you worship. Yeah. That's what it is. So our whole lives, we're told that the Bible is inerrant and it's the perfect word of God. And we believed that it was like literal, literally breathed by God and everything in it actually happened. Mm -hmm. And it was, yeah, perfect, inerrant. We thought it was different than every other book on earth. Mm -hmm. And this is why I have two verses. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And then in 2 Peter 1, it says, Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So when we were looking up these verses too, we were thinking, why does, why does anyone then not take the whole Bible literally right. yeah. based on these two yeah, verses? Yeah, we read those two verses today and we were like, oh yeah, that's why we were fundamentalists. Yeah, that's because, why. Because <laughs> like, it says it right here. Yeah, I'm sure there's different ways to interpret those verses. Whatever, I'm sure there's a different like, way to interpret every verse, yeah. Joe. Okay, so <laughs> I remember the first time I ever realized how weird it was that the Bible told us that it was inerrant and good like that's where we learned that the bible was inerrant from the bible yes it's like a person coming up to you on the street and being like hi my name's jack um i never lie i always tell the truth and i will never tell you to do something that's going to harm you and then you're like okay well, jack actually told me that he's a really good guy so um yeah he's a really good guy i believe him yeah uh, did you see that jack's like murdering people over there yeah. oh he told me though okay. he never lies and yeah. he's really good <laughs> It's also really weird to me that with such a huge emphasis on the Bible, like like I said, even before God, I feel like the Bible is the highest point of someone's faith. Um, all For me, I felt like all of my thoughts were constantly being subconsciously filtered through what I knew about the Bible. Like any thought I had, I had to make sure it aligned with what the Bible said. Or if I was um, like worshiping and I thought I maybe God was speaking to me, I had to make sure that aligned with what the Bible said. Mm -hmm. um, if it did, then God said it. And if it didn't, then it was 
the devil or something else. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so like t- the TV shows I had to watch, I wanted them to kind of line up with the Bible, like the music we listened to, everything that went through my head, I wanted it to filter through my own Bible filter. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like so constricting, mm-hmm. you know, like imagine how, how constricting that is. I, I can barely remember it now, but just thinking about that and like reading through my journal and stuff and, and looking at our wedding vows and realizing how like how conformed my mind was to the Bible is scary. Mm-hmm. It makes it really clear. Like, like so big. You think the Bible is like about the whole world and the yeah. whole universe, but you don't realize until I think, I, I don't know, after stepping back, how small it is, mm-hmm. how c- confined you are if you're doing that. Right. If you're filtering through just one book. Yeah, just one book. Um. So that that leads to how words and concepts are distorted Mm -hmm. and that's in the bible that's where that starts to happen and so you start to not be able to use words the same way that other people are using them (laughs) like everyone else yeah so god to you automatically equals good so anytime somebody mentions god it is inconceivable for you to see god doing anything that is other than good Mm -hmm. because god equals good already to you the world, the word, the world is automatically equal to evil. So anytime anyone talks about the world or like shares some news about the world or like or you're just looking user, for yeah. confirmation bias that proves that the world is evil, mm-hmm. the world is evil. Yeah. Um, we realize that love, uh, love in the Bible equals love plus judgment and it equals conditional love and justice. Yeah. Because that's how I learned to love, right. you know, based on, uh, <laughs> rules like oh you gosh. do what i say and yeah. then i love you because that's how god is you right know? um isn't that weird like we've experienced that firsthand talking to my mom and stuff and mm-hmm. i was trying to say to her like mom don't you see how god's not loving like if i were to ever say mom i don't respect you would you ever want to like throw me into a pit of fire like no of course not mm-hmm. because you're loving that you know can you see by extension how god is not loving but well, then no. you know as a christian your belief is god is love mm-hmm. you know that love is like made by god god is a definition of love whatever so whatever he does is therefore loving right and if we go back to the top argument god is a mystery mm-hmm. so there's there's your other like i don't know hurdle that you need to get over even when it doesn't make sense it still makes sense because god's just mysterious that's mm-hmm. why it doesn't make sense you can see how it really like breaks down your critical thinking abilities yeah right um another thing like i was i was gonna say that concepts are even distorted such as um the blood of christ the, oh. like think about the <laughs> phrase for a second the blood of christ it's seen as cleansing beautiful it saves you from your sin but if we were talking about the blood of anyone else, or if we drink blood from mm-hmm. anyone else, it would be seen as some creepy cult. So insane. Like there's so many references like or movies where people are like part of like a scary cult they're yeah. doing for Satan and they're drinking blood. Uh-huh. But Christianity does that as well. And I understand that it's more symbolic. But like as you're, as Lutherans and Catholics, they believe that somehow the blood and the body is like magically and mysteriously transformed into the wafer and the wine. Right. Yeah. I know. So that's anyway, so crazy. that's like, that's a concept I think that we've, nor- that Christianity has normalized, which should not be normal. Yeah. And then on top of that, Jesus's sacrifice is like human sacrifice. Isn't that so weird? Yeah, yeah. Christianity is based on human sacrifice and 
well, even me saying that now, it's almost hard to see it as weird. I think I was, I'm still like so programmed. No, I was going to say the same thing. It's so funny how <laughs> normalized human sacrifice drinking blood is just because the <laughs> human sacrifice no, and drinking blood. The majority of our so population insane. has grown up with it. Even right. if they don't believe it anymore, they think like, it's okay. It's okay to be religious. Like that's just part of religion yeah. and stuff. But like, it's like the words that are coming out of my mouth are insane and i know they're insane but like they still don't seem weird mm-hmm. that yeah most of my life was spent like living around this ideal ideology based on a human sacrifice mm-hmm. so bizarre yes so bizarre <laughs> okay next one we've a little we've talked about it a little bit but it's that um christianity teaches you not to trust yourself yeah and that's a big one mm-hmm that's probably that's the biggest one for me. That, yeah, probably like it overarches. I don't know. It's strange. All of them kind of like umbrella each other. Yeah, you can use if you if one argument doesn't work, you can use another one of these. <laughs> you know, like you could go down the line if, right. you, if Christian if a non Christian had a question, you could go down the line of all of these. Don't trust yourself. Well, God is a mystery. Well, what does it say in the Bible? Yeah. you know, it's it's and there's like always more and more and more. And each of those things we've talked about have each had their own lasting con- consequences into our li- life even as Mm -hmm. non-Christians. But especially this one. Yeah. So, don't trust yourself. I think we've already mentioned the verse. This was my confirmation verse, and it was Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I'm doing this by memory. And lean not on your own (laughs) understanding. That's a humble brag. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. <laughs> I like the annotations. Like, <laughs> I was staring directly into Joe's I know, eyes. I felt as, uncomfortable. As I, was saying it. I don't know. I don't know what um, to think. That was my my confirmation verse. Uh, lean not on your own understanding. And I never Man, realized. Weird. I never realized what it was saying. Yeah, I thought that it was very comforting. You know, because I think mainly because of the part where it said that he will make your paths straight. I think maybe that was something I was more but focused still, on. That that <laughs> verse kind of explains in one sentence, like the last couple sections, where you're not to trust yourself. Mm-hmm. It says that directly. Um, you're only to trust the Bible. It's basically saying like, don't believe your own understanding. Like, you need to lean on God. Mm-hmm. You need to just trust what God says. Yeah. And I mean, if you're in Christianity, you know, there is a lot of, like, love. And they talk about how God loves you and Jesus loves you. But, like, just sit in church and you'll learn that you are sinful. You are broken. Yeah, you know, you right. you don't have any good in you. No. And any good you have, it comes from God. Well, everything bad you do, you do that. Mm-hmm. Or the devil does mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And if you have a thought... And it aligns with the Bible. Like you said before, it's from God. And if it doesn't align with the Bible, it's from Satan. Yeah. So you're like terrified to think on right. your own. So like you, it just stops your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. I've said it before, but the whole idea of I must decrease and he must increase, meaning I must decrease and God must increase in my mm-hmm. life. That was like my mantra as a Christian. And so I think when you're in Christianity, maybe this is a helpful mindset to have. Like if you have that mindset, you're going to be a really good Christian because you're going to be so devoted. And that's what I did. And I was a good Christian. Mm -hmm. But once you leave, I feel like there are lingering effects to that where it was hard for me to trust myself and hard for me to trust my own understanding of things and hard for me to think for myself. Mm -hmm. And it's still like a continual practice to like actually do that all the time, you know, Mm -hmm. practice thinking for myself, practice having my own opinions. sounds weird, but like, if this is so deeply ingrained to me from my time as a Christian that it's like, I need to like do work to get it out. 
It's crazy. Yeah. And like you, it's because you've stifled your own inner voice right. for so long yeah. that it now you can't decipher where it is yeah. and like, or who, what it is and what it's saying. You <laughs> right. Know? Absolutely. It's crazy. That was your confirmation verse. I know. Something you probably liked and was like, oh, that's a nice verse. Now it's also telling. It's like that probably, verse like sums up Christianity I for me. I bet some adult you know? found it for me though. You know, and yeah. just gave it to me. That's true. Here's a good one. Yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, sounds good. All right. So then in addition to tr not trusting yourself, mm -hmm. I feel like by extension, you especially don't trust the world. Yeah. And the and Bible is really explicit about that. Yeah. The world is evil. Right. It equals evil. And it's funny because I've heard other ex-Christians say this and we've said this, like you get out of Christianity, you go into the world and you're like, hey, they lied to us. <laughs> hey, the world's not that bad. The world's actually kind of cool. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who are doing good. Yeah. And who have really good life philosophies. Right. But hold on right there because there's a verse about how Jesus made it seem like Christianity was foolishness so that the wise couldn't understand it. Yeah. And let me find it for you because I love it. This was one of the first things that my mom brought up too. You know, oh, it was? I feel like, yeah, like just the whole idea that we like got got by the world. <laughs> you know, they're so scared of the world, scared of cities and scared of liberals taking over. It's just weird. There was really no trust of the world. And I, even us, we had such like a leaning towards the thinking the world was so evil. Then again, it, it goes back to that question, why is the devil so strong? Yeah. Like, why don't you trust God enough to say that he can protect us from the world? Right. It just shows a lack of faith. But like, I, Get your love faith how, on track. I love how the Bible has like the perfect excuse for why we shouldn't trust the world and why the world doesn't believe in Christianity. Mm -hmm. Okay, here in First Corinthians uh, chapter one, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent. I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. And I'm skipping down. It says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were before you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are of not to nullify the things that are. It's like basically, that one it is seems a, so insulting, that is a, I wrote that down. When I wrote that down, I wrote, this is the most insulting verse. Yeah. Because you're, he's like, he's bashing Christians. Who's, who wrote that? Why'd you ask me that question, Paul? Paul. <laughs> <Did> he, <laughs> he's like basically saying like, you guys were all like pretty dumb. You're all kind of poor, right? And that's how you know, like God chose you guys. We chose you because you've never seen anything good. I remember coming back to this verse and thinking that and thinking like, this is how they kept the serfs in control. They gave them something to make them feel special because that they were poor and they yeah. were dumb. Well, and then the Bible says and they that said, you should You're stay called. dumb You're and chosen. you should stay poor. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, not to get like too political, but like when we read the Bible in this way, we did see that it looked like such a control tactic right. you know for the people the leaders of the time yeah. to keep people feeling like they were chosen but to tell them to stay poor to stay unintelligent right um, don't question not to yeah. question authority right. crazy 
All right. You know, it's funny. I think were we talking about this before and we kind of said, can you imagine Trump saying this? Oh, yeah. To the to his followers. Yeah. And I feel like he would say it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like you guys, like you're just hardworking yeah. Americans. I like, bet you haven't seen a whole lot not, of money these days, have you? Everyone's yeah. like, no. Like all the rich people, that, like all the liberals, like all the free thinkers, they think they're so smart. But you guys are just like hardworking Americans, yeah. just down like from the earth, you know, like basically like insulting them. Uh-huh. You guys are the chosen ones. And together we're going to make America great again. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's not funny. But it does seem like a scary parallel. Yeah. All right. So the last one, and I think one of the most obvious ones, um, because I think that like, I think that even some Christians see this is how much Christianity appeals to your emotions. Mm -hmm. I know that your aunt even didn't like music and Christian music for a while. She didn't want to go to a church that had any upbeat music because she felt that that the devil was in the music. Right. Is that true? Well, she, I, I don't know. Maybe she thought it was this exactly that she didn't want people to be emotionally manipulated, which if that's the case, then that's really smart. That's cool. It's like, Mm -hmm. that makes sense because as we were talking about the church service is so, so emotionally, um, like captivating, Mm -hmm. you know, it it brings you up and down you get in and you sing some happy songs and you're praising and your adrenaline's up and your heart rate's up and then you go into a somber song and then it brings you down and. You and know, then it brings out the offering plate. Yeah. R- right. And uh, all of these things kind of manipulate you emotionally that prime you and put you in a certain state so that you're more open and more accepting of what the pastor is about to say to mm-hmm. you in his sermon. Mm-hmm. And this is something that we didn't realize. I think no, this is actually not. one of yeah. my first questions, though. Like, what, you know, are we being emotionally manipulated? Right. You know, and that's kind of like what led us here. Yeah. But even not even just in like a Pentecostal church in a regular non-denominational church, they have this, this mood that they bring and they play, they play with most churches I've been to. Of course, my church had like huge speakers and we had huge lights and like 25 foot tall curtains that they'd project these different colored lights that would change during the song. And, uh, huge screens with graphics and videos on them and stuff. It and was everyone's like, like, how's everybody doing today? Yeah. Are you ready to worship the Lord? How are you guys all doing on this Sunday morning? <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's so happy and in such a good mood. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's like a crazy show. It's, it's a concert, you know? Yeah. And it's like super compelling, really emotionally charged, mm-hmm. for sure. And I think that's fine. But I think it's fine if you understand that that's what's happening. Yeah, right. That's, it's fine that's to go really to church and like, you know, but just be conscious of it, mm-hmm. that that's happening, yeah. you know? Like, because that stuff happens at a concert. Like right. you said, it's like a show. Like maybe, yeah, it's fine to feel great and all upbeat, but mm-hmm. maybe you should like be a little bit questioning of the conclusions you come to while you're in that state. Yeah. You know? Like maybe you don't actually need to be saved again. Maybe right. it's just an emotional right. <laughs> like manipulation that you're feeling. Yeah. Um. So another uh, appeal to emotion is obviously hell. And that was the, that was the one, you know, it's funny, like how emotions got us out and then emotions kept us in because the last thing that kept us in was the fear of hell. Mm -hmm. That was the hardest thing to let go of. Yes. Because it's super emotional. Like you're taught your whole life that this place exists, that's going to torture you if you stop believing in Jesus. And so you can think critically up into a certain point, but then your fear kind of hits you. Mm -hmm. You're like, well... I can't let go of this yeah. yet because I'm too afraid. Right. And you came up with a really cool analogy just when we were talking about this. Oh, yeah. Do you it remember kind of, it? Yeah, it's kind of like if uh, if you're like hanging off the edge of a cliff, you're holding on to somebody's hand. And they're, they're holding on to you and you're hanging over the edge of a cliff. You're not 
you're not going to be able to like criticize that person. No, you, you need them so badly. Yeah. So like, of course, there's nothing you're going to like, you're not going to question them. You're mm-hmm. not going to like doubt them. Mm-hmm. You're going to just put all of your faith in them because you need them to save you. Yeah. Until you realize that, oh my God, this cliff doesn't exist. And then you just step down onto the ground. <laughs> and then you step <laughs> onto the ground. And you're like, wait a minute, I don't need you at all. Mm-hmm. But it's not until that point, you know, you, you could never see that person with like a clear mind until you weren't absolutely dependent on them. Mm-hmm. And we experienced that same thing that like, we were never able to see these criticisms of Christianity or never able to see these ways that we were being manipulated by Christianity while we thought that we were completely dependent on it for our eternal salvation. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until we started to walk away and until we started to decouple from it a little bit um, that we were able to see all these things so much more clearly. Mm -hmm. And it was a weird realization um, when we first started seeing the patterns and seeing why we believed what we believed and how uh, all of our critical thinking skills in this area were sort of stopped. Mm-hmm. They were stopped in so many places. Yeah. There was like a guard up. It was, I felt as though this was the perfect system to keep believers in, mm-hmm. in a perpetual cycle of like maybe doubt, but then like fear, like keeps them in yeah. to come back to the altar and try to be saved oh again. Gosh, and yeah. I, I realized I saw it and it was really scary to me. Um, like how long I guess we, we're trapped in the cycle right. of it without knowing and feeling great. You're right. Actually. You know? Yeah. It's hard to leave, you know, and I think yeah. I feel so fortunate that we were able to get out of it. And I feel so fortunate hearing your guys' stories when you send us your messages and stuff. It just feels like we got lucky in a way. You I know? know it kind of feels like sometimes we got the best gift of all. Right. We got born again, again, without sounding wanting to sound arrogant there i'll let i'll let myself sound a little arrogant because i was really scared of sounding arrogant for my whole life that's true we should really like we should be arrogant just a little bit (laughs) just a little yeah can overcompensate a little bit so yeah through all of these i felt like each one while they had an effect in christianity they've had lasting effects outside of christianity as well and so you know with god being a mystery i feel like we had to unlearn um are feeling that it's okay to not understand things. And just because you don't understand something does not mean it's God. Yeah. And then faith, like we had to unlearn the idea that faith was a virtue and started to have to learn that, wait a minute, faith is like a terrible thing. Why would I believe something that I have no evidence for? Yeah. And evidence is more virtuous than knowledge or like intellect and the study, you know, testing. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And then teaching us that, uh, we should only trust authority. That's something we had to unlearn. I feel like we've had to learn to stand up for ourselves and we had to learn to set boundaries with people who are older than us or who are in authority over us, which is mm-hmm. really difficult. We had to learn that we can't just trust one book. We need to like spread our knowledge out and get our source of information from multiple places. And along with that, it, um, we needed to learn to trust ourselves. You know, that's like the biggest thing. And we've Mm -hmm. talked about that a lot, but yeah, we've been like constantly trying to relearn how to trust ourselves, how to trust our own opinions, how to trust our thoughts and trust our feelings. And all of it has been such a learning process. Mm -hmm. And these things are hard to let go of, you know, but it's funny because when we did switch to this side, it did seem that switch to this evidence (laughs) of, of trusting in these things or like changing our view, you know, was working out. 
Right. Yeah. When we trusted ourselves, it did lead us in the right direction. Right. The secular way. When works. we stopped <laughs> looking at one book, we did realize we could learn more right. and yeah. realize the world was beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you guys have ever experienced any of these brain warping things, let us know and let us know if you've experienced any different ones. We'd love to hear about them. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for listening to this episode and we'll catch you next week. Thank you all so much for coming along on this journey with us. All of your messages and support means so much. If you'd like to connect with us or support our podcast, there are a few different ways you can do that. First, you can find us on Instagram at born.again.again. You can also join our private group on Facebook. Or you can check out our website, bornagainagain.co, where we have all of these episodes, our blog with some posts that we've written, as well as a big list of books, movies, documentaries, and articles that have been helpful in our deconversion. And finally, if you'd like to support us financially, you can do that through our Patreon. Again, thank you so much.